Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon. Happy Monday, May 22nd, the year 2023. It's good to be Brooks Kepka. It's good to be Bob Baffert and National Treasure. It's good to be Denver and Miami. It's great to be UL softball. And it's great to be in the SEC baseball tournament. All these stories and much, much more coming your way is my main man James Mesh inside the producer's studio in the FCO Development Studios. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multi-family construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming all over the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, so much talk prior to, but on the field, the Raging Cajuns came back from a one-game to zip deficit, worked their way up through the loser's bracket, and behind Cajun outfielder Jordan Campbell, who had a career day with two home runs and eight runs batted in, including a Game winner in a thrilling 9-8 finish. The Cajuns are surviving and advancing and moving on up. Yes, indeed. They get the win. They continue to play. LSU goes home for the season. And now the unranked Cajuns, who are unseated Cajuns, will take on the seventh-seeded Washington Huskies in the Super Regional matchup. We'll hear from some of the victorious Cajuns. They got it done where it counted, on the field. They are the better team. They win, and that is awesome. Awesome. Yes. McNeese, meanwhile, oh, my goodness. You can't can't go – in a, in a more difficult way than, than they did. Um, they had Washington on the rope. They win an elimination game, one zip to set up one game winner take all in Seattle. And the Cowgirls up six zip over the number seven team in the country. Washington down to their final three outs of the game, but they found life, and they got it won. They come from behind to beat the Cajuns, and 
send themselves into the Super Regionals. And with the loss, McNeese ended with a record of 47-16, and 16, ending arguably the program's best season in school history. So we'll hear from McNeese as well. The baseball fortunes are coming in. And LSU baseball now will take off for Hoover, Alabama. And the SEC baseball tournament. Four games tomorrow. South Carolina versus Georgia, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Kentucky and Alabama, Auburn and Missouri. LSU will tip off day two, Wednesday, May 24th. With a 9.30 a.m. start time, LSU will take on the winner of South Carolina versus Georgia. So LSU comes in as the number three seed in the tournament. The Ragin' Cajuns come in as the number four seed. They got out of the single elimination round, which begins tomorrow, James Madison versus Old Dominion, Georgia State versus Georgia Southern. Cajuns will play the nightcap on Wednesday, they will take on, as a four seed, they'll take on the fifth-seeded Texas State. And that will begin double elimination play in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. So there you go. Meanwhile, McNeese in the Southland Conference Baseball Championship gets underway with a single elimination matchup. On Tuesday, it'll be McNeese as a sixth seed versus number seven seed Texas A&M Corpus Christi, that's a 6 p.m. first pitch. Survive and advance, lose, season over. And, of course, that Sunbelt uh, Southland Conference Tournament is in Lake Charles. So we'll see what happens there. So baseball, softball, all in, all in full swing. All in full swing. The Cajuns are in. The Tigers are out. The Cowboys are out. Is anybody, anybody going to come close to beating number one seed Oklahoma. They are a absolute juggernaut. Um, sad to hear that Southeastern has parted ways with baseball coach Matt Reiser. Um, took Southeastern to four NCAA regionals in 10 seasons. Despite a six-game winning streak to end the season, the Lions finished with a 25-25 and record, and they failed to qualify for the Southland Conference Tournament. We wish Matt Reiser, friend of our program, uh, all the very, very best. Yes. Um, Brooks Kepka fought off Victor Hovland and others to claim the PGA Championship, his fifth major championship in his career, offset by so many injuries, injury that made him uh, have the thought of retiring from the game, but he got after it, worked. He had an incredible week at the 2023 PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club. Um, started off with a ho-hum 72 to open the tournament. He got hot in the middle with back-to-back four under pars 66s, which put him into the third-round lead, one shot ahead of Victor Hovland. And uh, he never would relinquish. They they battled back and forth. Uh, and like the Kepka of old, he was a killer on the final day. Shot in a, a volatile 67 that included seven birdies 
and four bogeys, uh, which made for a thrilling final round. It came down to the 16th hole, and there was um, Hovland, who um, drove into the bunker on the right, plugged his second shot into the grass face, and ultimately settled for a double bogey that gave Kepka an insurmountable four-stroke lead and secured his victory. So Brooks Kepka, uh, back in it, he is some kind of major golf player. Um, he's something. And the first live golfer to win a major championship. So Brooks Kepka getting it done. On Saturday, it was the run for the Preakness Stakes. Mage, the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Nope, not going to happen. Bob Baffert with National Treasure won the Preakness, and Baffert's return to the Triple Crown following a suspension, but he came hours after another three-year-old Colt having a meltdown was put down because of a left leg injury in an undercard race. Uh, the victory at Pimlico Racecourse ended Mage's bid for the Triple Crown, um, and in a conflicting scene similar to that of two weeks earlier when Mage won the Kentucky Derby in the aftermath of seven horses dying in 10 days at Churchill Downs. National Treasure was the five to two second choice, and he held off hard charging, blazing sevens down the stretch to win with jockey John Velasquez on board. Um, no triple crown winner, but uh, the last one to win it was American Pharaoh. Uh, who ended a 37-year Triple Crown drought in 2015 with Bob Baffert getting it done. So um, National Treasure wins the second crown of the Triple Crown of horse racing. Uh, in the NBA, wow. Wow, wow is all I can say. Denver, a three-games-at-zip lead over the L.A. Lakers. They'll try and clinch it and advance to the NBA Finals Tonight, the Miami Heat, equally a three-zip win a lead over the Boston Celtics after their win last night in which they thoroughly dismantled the Celtics. The Celtics looked like they gave up, and the Heat win it by 26, 128 to 102. That's a, that's a basketball team playing as well as it possibly can on all fronts. Heat with a three games a zip lead over Boston. They'll try and clinch that series tomorrow in Miami. Denver has to do it on the road. Miami gets to host at home. And we will see what happens as uh, both the Lakers and the Celtics have yet to figure out what to do. And I don't know if there's an answer for them. I don't know if there's an answer for them. All right, coming up on the program today, we'll hear from the victorious Cajun softballers, the um, heartbroken McNeese Cowgirls softball program. Glenn West will join us. We'll talk LSU baseball as they head to the SEC tournament. How is Jake Johnson going to handle this tournament? Um, they, they're going to be a national seed. They're going to host a regional. Um, and probably by their ranking, if they win that regional, LSU will host a super regional. So we'll talk to Glenn about that. Ali Cassell will join us. We'll talk about these NBA playoffs. Who is the MVP? Is it the Joker? Is it Jamal Murray? Is it Jimmy Butler? 
who is the MVP right now? There's there's a there's a race for it, uh, and we'll talk about that. And then Blake Rafino, as per the the norm on Monday from the Are You Serious podcast. Um, Scott Woodward doesn't doesn't fool around. Is this the end of the line for Beth Torina as the softball coach at LSU? We shall see. All these topics and much much more coming your way today. So we'll get things started after our first timeout. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Riding coasters, live music, fried fair food. The Cajun Heartland State Fair is back. And the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away family packs of ride tickets. Just text CHSF to 337-283-8100 for a chance to win a family pack of tickets. That's 80 tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 25th to June the 4th. Brought to you by the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We're back 18 minutes and some change after the hour. We begin with the victorious Raging Cajun softball team of Jerry Glasgow, who uh, came into Baton Rouge and... um, did just a remarkable job. They opened up the campaign in the Baton Rouge Regional um, with a win over Omaha, 5-zip. They come back the next day, and LSU shuts out the Raging Cajuns 4-zip, meaning now you got to work your way through the loser's bracket of the tournament. And boy, did the Cajuns do it. They could bounce back later on that same day. After getting beat by LSU, they shut out Omaha 9-zip in five innings, setting up um, a winner-take-all scenario. The Cajuns would have to beat LSU twice in Tiger Park on Sunday. LSU would only have to win once, and they would survive and advance. Well, Cajuns win the opener 7-4. to four. They jump out to a lead, setting up a, a winner-take-all Scenario later on that same afternoon, they jump out to a lead. LSU comes back, takes the lead over again. Back and forth we go, and the Cajuns win it nine to eight, thanks uh, to the incredible uh, performance by Jordan Campbell. She was uh, sensational and deserved all the accolades that she's getting because. She never relinquished, never gave up. A career day with two home runs, eight runs batted in. The game winner in a thrilling 9-8 to eight finish that left LSU fans in disbelief and the LSU Tiger players in tears after the ball game. Head coach Jerry Glasgow's thoughts on beating LSU. I thought the, uh, we, got, we got out to a real good lead in the first game, I mean the first inning, and Got up 6-0, and you know, anytime you score that early, you know they're going to make a run. And they did. They did what 
great teams do. They made their run and they, they got the lead 7-6 and I'm just trying to let the pace uh, just keep it calm in the dugout. I felt really good about our kids coming back. At that point, we only had three hits and we were beneficiary of some walks and timely hits early, a huge grand slam by Jordan. So I knew we had more hits on and I remember saying that we had three hits. And I said, what we got to do, we got three innings left. Let's make that three and nine. I told the girls, get, let's get that three to nine. We get nine hits, we'll win the game. That's kind of a, a benchmark we've used all year. Nine hits, we'll win. And uh, timely hits. And then I thought the seventh inning, you know, uh, Lauren leading off, I said, look, don't try to be a hero. Just you get a good pitch, you'll get a good hit. You get a good hit, we'll get, we'll get good results and we'll win the game. And uh, that was always said. She got a great pitch, got a hit. Another great hit by what caught a heat. And then uh, Jordan did her thing and put us ahead for the win. And then a tremendous effort by our pitching staff to have each other's back and just string it together. And Chloe Riaceto, freshman, really pitched good, not just today, but the, the both days in this tournament and made a huge uh, impact. So that kind of how the last game went in my mind. Lasting win, no question about that. The hero, Jordan Campbell, she pontificated on her two home runs. Alexa was up, up to that before me, and I noticed that she was getting a lot of off-speed pitches, so I was thinking, wait wait on it. Obviously, hit something to the right side, score some runners, and I was up, I was early, I was ahead in the count. It was 2-0, so I knew she had to come with the strike, so I, I swung as hard as I could. <clears throat> with the Grand Slam... Uh, my second at bat in the second game, I mean in the first game, they were coming in hard inside, so I was just prepping for something hard inside that first at bat in that first game, and that's what she did. So I turned on it as hard as I could and hit the foul pole. Hit the foul pole, and um, the rest is history. She was spectacular. Uh, they talked about it, uh, you know, after that loss to LSU. Hey, might be the last chance for our seniors. We we got to win it for them. Jordan Campbell talked about that. It was really big. I know today uh, we had a lot of talk, especially in the dugout throughout the day, about this being our potentially our seniors' last day. And we've got three senior pitchers, and they've given everything to this program. So we wanted to keep their streak alive, keep them going into this tournament. And they did. And because of that, the Cajuns are the winners of the Baton Rouge Regional. Now they travel out to the Seattle Super Regional. Well, they'll take on the fifth-seeded Washington Huskies at Husky Softball Stadium in Seattle. Their first game will be Friday, May 26th, which will be 9 p.m. Central Time. It'll be 7 p.m. West Coast Time, Pacific Time. So 9 o'clock on Friday, they will play on Saturday at 6 p.m. our time. You got to remember, you got to win two out of three, two out of three. And then if necessary on Sunday, that time will be determined. But opening day for the Super Regional this Friday, 9 p.m. Lafayette, Lake Charles, Baton Rouge, New Orleans time. Um, so congratulations to the Ragin' Cajuns who uh, did it fair and square and got it done on the field. Uh, so congratulations to Jerry Glasgow and his club. They are, without a doubt, always a viable, viable softball team. They are now 50-14 and 14 overall, a 78% winning clip. 
and they are hot at the right time. They've won three in a row. Uh, how do they fare away from Lamson Park? Well, the Cajun softball contingent is 18-7 and seven away from home. So they've got pitching. They proved it in a hostile environment, and uh, they got it done. Now, Cajun fans, I, I don't know how many are going to show up. That's a, that's a hike and a half to get to Seattle. But, hey, if you can, go and do it. Go and do it. Meanwhile, McNeese, oh, my goodness, uh, such a heartbreaker, heartbreaker, up six zip um, and cruising, cruising. Um, it, it just ended in such a such a bad, bad, stunning exit um, in, in the form and fashion that they did. It was just had to be devastating. They, too, came up through the loser's bracket. They had to beat Washington twice. They won the opener, one zip, forcing a winner-take-all game two, and McNeese started off extremely hot. Um, in the third inning, they, they got up to a three-zip lead. They didn't stop there. They added a uh, in the fourth and the fifth innings. They put another three runs on the board to jump out to six-to-zip over the number seven team in the country. And their defense was spectacular. And on and on. And then all of a sudden, the wheels on the bus started coming off. Um, and Washington came up with a big inning. And then they shut the door on any comeback hopes as the next three batters for McNeese were out. And... Washington gets a one-run win over the Cowgirls, 47-16. and 16, McNeese ended their season, ending arguably the team's best season in school history. Without question, without doubt. Man, what a heartbreaker it was. James Landrino is the head coach. He talked about how proud he was of his club. Pitch really got us to a pretty good spot. You know, we were able to put some, some runs up. And felt, felt like we you know, won six innings, but you got to play seven. And, um, but all in all, you know, this has been a growing experience for our, for our team. And just proud of our kids. I thought they played extremely hard and in every fight. Uh, being consistent all year long, they've answered bail consistently for us. Uh, couldn't be more proud of a group of young people. That, that actually made me better this year. And, and that's kind of the message I, I got to stick to is my, my kids work their butts off and, and like everybody else in the country, but I'm just proud of the way they stick together, what they've done. And uh, they taught me more about life this year than I've ever thought I could learn from a group of young people. So um, LSU's softball season, done. McNeese's softball season, done. The Raging Cajuns survive, advance, and moving on to Washington to take on the Huskies in the Super Regional. So congratulations to all the programs. Uh, getting into tournament play, quite an accomplishment. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll talk LSU baseball, Southeastern Conference Tournament, and anything else coming down the pipeline in Tigertown with Go247's Glenn West next. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Astros, the champs are starting to warm up a little bit. You can see them live in person. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Cincinnati Reds on Saturday, June 17th. And you can be in that number and be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, welcome back. It is uh, 34 minutes after the hour on this Monday, May 22nd. As per the norm, we are thrilled when Glenn West of Go247 Sports gets to join us to take uh, – to take us through Tiger Town and all the things happening there. Glenn, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, let's start LSU baseball. They come in as the number three seed in the SEC tournament. It gets underway tomorrow. LSU will play Wednesday, uh, the first day, first game of the day at 930 against the winner of tomorrow's South Carolina-Georgia game. I certainly would suppose that South Carolina is going to be the team that uh, advances in this, I would think. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, South Carolina is certainly right there in the mix in terms of the upper echelon of SEC teams this year. There was a bunch of group, uh, a bunch of teams that were kind of grouped in that 13, 12, 11 loss, uh, and, and South Carolina was in that mix. And so they kind of got the short end of the stick there for the sixth seed. But um, certainly that's a very potent offensive team. LSU's played them twice earlier this year. Uh, very, uh, you know, kind of up and down series for LSU earlier this year, in, even though they only got two games in. So uh, that would be a really fun matchup. But, you know, look, Georgia came back and they won that game on Saturday and uh, kept things pretty interesting, I would say, for most of the day on on Thursday. I mean, they had to go to 12 innings to yeah. – uh, finally get over the hump uh, on that first game with Paul Seens on the mound. So, yeah, I, I would say it'd be a good opponent for whoever LSU gets to face on Wednesday. I was um, I was amazed uh, in one of the games. Uh, Thatcher Hurd gave up a couple of home runs in the ninth, and all of a sudden he comes trotting out in the tenth. I'm like, whoa, what? I was shocked by that. Uh, it ended up working magnificently, and you got to believe that that herd has emerged a little bit. Maybe has some confidence. Were you surprised that they they ran him back out on the field? I, I was a little surprised uh, that they brought him back for the tenth, and and you're just kind of sitting back and thinking about it a little bit more, though. It, you you didn't really have a whole lot of other options there. I mean, True. you could have gone to somebody else, but uh, I think just the the way that you had to kind of think about this, that series because of what you knew you had coming this week, you couldn't burn through a bunch of guys early in the series. I think you really had to save some arms and for that game three and, and uh, just knowing that you, you just, you don't have a whole lot of the bullpen right now and uh, credit to Thatcher, man. He, he gave you three really great innings there in the 10th, 11th and 12th. Uh, I think you can certainly see that he had, you know, uh, 
just a little bit more confidence there towards the end of that outing and to kind of get out of that unscathed and to help LSU win. Uh, really good sign for him, really good sign for Gavin Guidry on Friday to help LSU get through that game. Uh, so you got a couple bullpen guys that I think you can at least know that you can put out there and, and hope that it doesn't get too bad. But uh, certainly with the way they've pitched you know, in the last month or so, you can't really, I don't think, rely or count on anybody to come through for you. Uh, consistently, you've, you've got to you've got to just see it, and you got to hope that it's there. Uh, you got to hope that those guys have it, and and certainly those two had it on on the first two games there. I, what do you think LSU's approach is to this SEC tournament? Because let's be honest, they're they're the fourth ranked team in the country. W- whatever happens, I don't think they're going to slip very much, if at all. Um, so they're going to host a regional, and if they get through that regional, they'll be a host. For a super regional, a lot of ifs. I understand that. Different coaches have different philosophies, and your dealings with Jake Johnson. What what do you think his approach is here? I, I think you've got to get some of these bullpen arms some more confidence, and 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 I, I think that you're right. No matter what happens this weekend, I think LSU has locked up that top eight national seed, um, which is the the biggest goal I think of all at this late stage in the season, no especially doubt. with the way. They had struggled here kind of coming down the stretch. Just locking that in uh, this weekend I think is a big relief and a big weight lifted off their shoulders. So I think they can be a little bit more creative, I, I would say, with how they kind of use their bullpen and how they uh, throw guys in certain situations because mm-hmm. it's going to be very similar in terms of the day-to-day uh, of the regional next weekend when they have – you know they're going to be facing probably two or three different teams – uh, in a span of three days, that's certainly the the model here that they're going to be facing this week. Um, so I just kind of by looking at what they have available, who they threw this weekend, wouldn't be surprised if you see a combination of Riley Cooper, Nate Ackenhausen, uh, Bryce Collins, maybe for that Wednesday game, uh, see what those guys can give you. And then you can still keep Paul Skeens on his schedule for Thursday uh, yeah. If you were able to win or if you're able to in your position where you have to save yourself from an elimination kind of game. So yeah. that's kind of my thought process there. Make, makes sense. Um, my floor has been really good recently, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. No, I, absolutely. I mean, he had the two-run homer at the very start of the game and the two-run homer at the very end of his outing on Friday uh, that kind of I, – I, I just – uh, just kind of muddied the waters a little bit on his outing that otherwise right. was pretty terrific. I mean, but by that time, LSU had done a really nice job offensively of kind of jumping out to a big lead. Um, and, and they were able to really rely on uh, uh, Gavin Guidry for the final five outs of the game. So, yeah, look, Ty Floyd has given you, I think, two really good outings in a row. I think you go back and you look at his performances from the last four or five weeks, been very consistent in terms of getting you into the sixth, seventh inning of most yep. of those outings. Um, and, and he's going to be a guy that they have to rely on in that situation, uh, certainly come postseason time. Um, but but this week as well, they're going to need a, him to go deep in one of these games um, if, if they're you know around during the weekend. And so uh, that, that'll that be very important. But absolutely, Ty Floyd's been a, a really positive uh, pr- uh, person for them these last several weeks. Boy, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Javen uh, Coleman uh, looks like he's getting a little bit stronger. Maybe the stat line doesn't prove it, but um, I'm starting to see some things with him that uh, that might be beneficial for LSU. Yeah, I mean, he's done a nice job of getting you 
two or three innings here and there. I'm not sure he's a guy that you're going to ask to go really deep into these games. Right. I think he's still coming back from some of that that injury and just kind of getting his arm uh, in that position where he could throw five, six, seven innings in a game. Um, but but he's been very consistent for you. I think he gets you off to nice starts uh, in that game three. Um, you know, he, he he's not he, the, the one thing that we've noticed uh, just in terms of his velocity is it really drops off in the second or third inning when he's out there. You know, he comes yeah. out really strong through 91, 94, and then it kind of dips into the, the high 80s pretty quickly. So I think that's just a that's just a sign that he's maybe not all the way back yet in terms of his arm being able to hold up for a long amount of time. Um, but but certainly he's a guy else she's going to lean on and, and and hopefully get you a couple innings here and there to start off these these innings. Sure, uh, Dylan Cruz, as we continue our conversation with uh, Glenn West, go to four seven sports. Uh, Jay Johnson's moving all over the place right now. He's now he's batting lead off. What, what's uh, what's your synopsis of that? Well, it worked out really well. The first two games, it was Dylan Cruz and Tommy White batting one two. Um, and Josh Pearson did a really nice job the first two days of turning the lineup over out of the nine hole, uh, particularly with his two run homer there and on Thursday that kind of yeah. gave LSU that separation late in the game. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think they're going to be like like I said with the pitching staff, they're going to continue to be creative with the offense. You know, teams really have to find a way to pitch around Dylan Cruz and Tommy White, and it's almost impossible to do. Um, so the best thing that LSU can do is continue to keep those teams on their toes. And uh, certainly I think when you, when you have that kind of powerhouse and, and those two guys, um, it allows you to do a lot of things offensively that, that many other teams can. So uh, you know, Cruz was just named SEC player of the year. Uh, Tommy White and him were both first team all SEC players this year. So uh, yeah, I think LSU's in a good spot when you got those guys in the heart of your lineup. I mean, they used to call the Yankees murderer's row, but when you have a lineup of Cruz, followed by White, followed by Morgan, followed by Travinsky, followed by Beloso, what do you do? Man. Yeah, and look, and, and Dugas, who hadn't been playing his best ball recently, is still a very formidable bat in that lineup as well. So was Jordan Thompson. Um, but one of the guys that's really kind of stuck stood out to me these last few weeks in particular is Travinsky. I mean, he he's done a really nice job at the plate. I think he's still batting over 400 for the season. Uh, and he's been a pretty consistent starter here for the last two or three weeks. Um, he, he's given you really good at bats and really timely hits. Uh, he's driven guys in. Um, he he's just a piece man that you know you you look for some kind of end of season late kind right. of emergence for for a team like this, and he's absolutely been that guy. Uh, and I think you know you could certainly throw Josh Pearson into that mix as well. He's a guy that pl- hit over three hundred for you last year in SEC play. Uh, if they can get those two guys consistently hitting like they have been. Uh, it makes this team just all the more dangerous here for the final postseason stretch. Yeah, we'll see. I'd be very curious to see how Jake Johnson, how he uses his pitching rotation, what he does uh, with this SEC tournament, knowing full well that the following week they'll be hosting a, a regional in Baton Rouge against who? Your guess is as good as mine. Who knows? Um, softball front. It's never good. Never good when – you're at home and you're in control and you lose back to back games to a team right up the road that there's, um, you know, there's, uh, 
a little give and take as far as the love-hate relationship between the two of them. I know Scott Woodward, he, he doesn't pull many punches. I, I wonder what he's thinking today about Beth Torina. Yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't a good look yesterday for, for LSU to took care of business at the very beginning of the weekend to come out and lose two in a row to ULL, a team that's right down the road. Yeah. Definitely in state arch rivals in a lot of different sports. Um, yeah, it, it was not a good look, especially the way they kind of blew that second game. I mean, they had just three outs to get there in the ninth or the seventh inning. Uh, couldn't get it done. Uh, they, they And, and, just a really nice job. I watched the end of the ULL game in LSU game three, game yeah. seven. This one one young lady made a really nice diving catch for the second yeah. out. You know, nearly over the side over the dugout for for the right. second out of the of the game. Uh, but yeah, look, LSU. I I I, I would imagine they are evaluating every coach after every season. Um, I think they they. Yeah, they, they've seen how far Beth Tarina can take this group, this program. He, she's had a long leash uh, with, with them for, I think, the last nine, ten years. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't have a clear answer for you on what they do uh, with that with that position. But, um, you know, they've, they've been pretty consistently in the top 10 to 15 as well. And it's just about giving yourself enough cracks at, at the apple to kind of uh, to kind of push through. But they just haven't been able to do it so far. We shall see. Uh, Matt Hayes is a is a well-known writer, um, has covered college football for years and years and years. And they talked about the coaches, football coaches in the SEC. And they've got the three championship level coaches, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban and Brian Kelly. I'm going to read to you what he said about Brian Kelly. I've said this over and over and I'll say it again. What did everyone think was going to happen? when one of the best college coaches of the past two decades was given a job with every possible advantage. Think about it this way. Kelly and Saban walked into similar situations at LSU, dysfunction, players transferring. Saban won eight games his first season in 2000. Kelly won 10 and the West Division and beat Saban. Saban was at LSU when the SEC hadn't begun to hit its stride. Kelly arrived with the SEC better and deeper than it ever has been. Here's the here's, here's the one that L, all LSU fans are going to love. Kelly will win a national title at LSU within, within his first three seasons, and maybe even this year. He's young, in great shape, loves to recruit. He's going to be a load to deal with for a long time. How about that? Yeah, look, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, know, you, you look at what his resume was at Notre Dame and, the, you know, I, I don't think it's any, uh, you know, reason. Uh, it's, there's no there's no reason why there, the reason why he came to LSU is very clear uh, in terms of the kind of players he'll be able to recruit here. Um, and you've seen it here in the first couple of recruiting cycles. LSU's been top five, top six uh, for the freshman class. They've had a top two, top three transfer portal class in their first couple of years. Um, yeah, look, he, he's going to be a guy that I think gets you into that national championship con conversation every year. And that's where LSU has been at times over the last 15 years. Uh, but they haven't been in that conversation consistently like three four five six years in a row and, and right. i think that's kind of what kelly is here to do i i would be shocked if he doesn't have a championship within three or four years i mean i think the talent is there to certainly get one in the next couple of years um and, and and look i i think that you know part of the a big reason why is just the 
the the way that those first couple recruiting classes have come together. Uh, you talk about what Garrett Nussmeyer can do, taking over for Jaden Daniels. You got a really nice quarterback situation for the next really two or three seasons. Right. Um, right. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot to like there, and there's a lot of five and four star talent that you know doesn't really necessarily have to play right away. That can learn behind some of these talented players. Uh, and then really coach them up and get them developed for for a big run. Uh, even next year, I think that they're going to yeah. be a really really tough team to deal with next year. Um, and and certainly this year, they have a lot of high expectations. I will reserve rights until after that opening game against Florida State in Orlando. If LSU That'll plays that game, that will tell us a lot. If they if they win yep. that and win it convincingly, okay. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. If they lose it. Mm, yeah, but it um, kind of gives me Texas vibes from 2019. You know, it gives yes. me the Texas vibes. Went in gives to, me Oregon vibes. But gives me Austin, Oregon back Oregon. in the day at Jerry's World. Yeah. You know, it does. Yeah. It's a, it's a big yeah. time matchup, and that will determine a lot about how this course of the season goes. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And and I was, you know, doing some work just looking at the schedule today, and you know, certainly you you think about Florida State, but then. You know, the first three conference games this year are Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. And Ole Miss and Arkansas are teams that sometimes LSU plays at the very end of their schedule. And so right. they got them right off the right off the bat now. And yeah. I think one of those games is going to be close. Um and and LSU needing to pull away uh or 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 win in that kind of ad you know, that kind of adversity is going to be really important indication early in their season as well. We shall see. Glenn West will be covering it all, God willingly. And um, we thank you, as always, for your time, big guy. And we didn't have to touch on basketball because there's really nothing to touch on at this point in time. But baseball, they got their so, roster or is set. there? The roster, roster is, is That's the, that's Mulkey's, the update. Is Mulkey's roster set, too? I believe Mulkey's is set. I don't know that for sure, but I don't know how greedy you can get when you got the top two transfers coming in with the number one high school player and – yeah, all that's coming back from the championship yeah. team. Yeah, unbelievable. Should be should be quite a season all the way around, and we look forward to it. Glenn, thank you, buddy. Have a great week. Take care of yourself, man. All right, thanks. You too, Jordan. You're the best. Glenn West, go to four seven sports. Back to wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
All right, here we go. 55 minutes after the hour. Quick recap. Uh, four LSU baseball players received all SEC recognition today in a vote of the league's 14 head coaches. Center fielder Dylan Cruz, SEC Player of the Year, first team All-SEC, and SEC All-Defensive Team. Right-handed pitcher Paul Skeens, SEC Picture of the Year, and first team All-SEC. Third baseman Tommy White voted first team All-SEC, and first baseman Jared Jones received freshman All-SEC honors. So uh, no-brainers for Cruz, Skeens, and white to be first team members so that's uh, that's quite uh quite the recognition uh for them um as lsu heads off into sec tournament play they will play wednesday 9 30 a.m against the winner of south carolina versus georgia so we'll keep you up to speed of course you'll be able to listen to the game right here on the game uh, pre-game at 9, first pitch is at 9.30. And we know that it's the first game of the day, so it's going to start on time. And then after that, depending upon how fast games go, you just never know with tournament play. So there you go. Coming up, hour number two of the program, these NBA uh, conference championship series are turning into routes. Denver and Miami, both up three games to zip over the Lakers and the Boston Celtics, Ali Cassell will break down the NBA tournament with me. And then Blake Rufino, is, is Beth Tarina's job in jeopardy? I think it is. We'll get his viewpoint coming up in hour number two here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Come on back. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two and away we go on a Monday, May 22nd, the year 2023 with my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. A day after a weekend full of drama, uh, the Raging Cajun softball team beats LSU two games on Sunday to advance to the Super Regional. Well, they'll try to keep their softball season rolling with the hopes of getting to Oklahoma City and the Softball World Series. Uh, they'll take on Washington on Friday evening, um, a day after Brooks Kepka won his fifth major championship, this time the PGA. A couple of days after National Treasure won the Preakness for Bob Baffert and a weekend that saw the NBA Conference finals become kind of a, a joke as Denver went into Los Angeles 
and beat the Lakers to lead their best of seven series three games to none. They can clinch it all and uh, get some rest if they can win it tonight in L.A. And then tomorrow, the Miami Heat, who seem to have taken the heart and soul away from the Boston Celtics, the Heat lead three games to none after a 26-point win yesterday. They'll try and clinch it on uh, on home turf in Miami on Tuesday. ESPN's come out with their football power index, which um, makes them a, a whole bunch of statistical categories and all this kind of stuff. They throw it all um, into a into a hopper, and it's the rating and projection model for NFL teams. And you go on win totals from um, a sports book, strength of schedule, factors as past team performance, returning starters. They pile it all in there, and boom, um, they, they come out. And to no one's surprise, uh, the best of the best are still up there. The Chiefs are the number one ranked team, followed by the Buffalo Bills. The Philadelphia Eagles are third. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are fourth. The San Francisco 49ers are fifth. What a difference a quarterback makes as the New York Jets are at six. The, the L.A. Chargers are at seven. The Dallas Cowboys at eight. The Miami Dolphins at nine. And Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are at ten. The Saints are ranked 22nd. Okay. What's the silver lining in that cloud? Well, they are the top-ranked NFC South team. The Falcons are at 26, the Panthers are at 27, and the Buccaneers are at 30. So they project a very, very tight race in the NFC South. With new quarterback Derek Carr at the helm, they're the projected winners, but at just 42%, the shortest favorites in any division. The Atlanta Falcons are at 29%, the Carolina Panthers at 22%, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 9%, each with at least a feasible path to the division title. But according to ESPN, every NFC South team has a mean projected win total of under nine. If the Saints win eight games, Dennis Allen's going to get fired. Period. Period. No ifs, ands, buts about it as he walks off the field for that last game. Just keep on walking because you'll be gone. So we'll see. We'll see. But so far, um, again, no one's thinking very highly about the New Orleans Saints. But the silver lining, nobody's thinking highly of any team in the NFC South. And that's... The, the, the whole thing is getting to the playoffs, and then maybe you catch a little lightning in a bottle. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. But um, there you go. Nobody thinks very highly. Everybody's riding the New York Jets bandwagon uh, because of Aaron Rodgers, and we'll see uh, what, what that can do. Rodgers and a strong defense. Um, they're sixth in the rankings. They have a win total of nine and a half. Um, I want to see. I want to see what he does, what he can do. I want to see the Derek Carr factor, what he can do for the New Orleans Saints. I don't know why I still believe in him. 
I don't know why I do. I still believe, you know, like I'm on the record. I believed in the Saints a year ago. I thought LSU would have a really hard time. Or is I wrong? It was just the opposite. LSU wins the SEC and the Saints, uh-uh, nothing, nothing. Um, so I'm hoping Derek Carr breeds an infusion of good quarterback play. Doesn't have to be great quarterback play. Good quarterback play. Good quarterback play. That's that's the key. He's not going to be uh, Joe Burrow. He's not going to be uh, Josh Allen. He's not going to be Pat Mahomes. But just be better. Just be good. Just be good. Be consistent. Be good. Don't throw interceptions. Take advantage of what the defense gives you, and move the ball down the field. Get some points. You know, that's just don't turn it over. Don't turn. Stay healthy, man. That's the key. That is definitely the key. Meanwhile, the NFL um, has come out with uh, an approval of the third emergency quarterback proposal. Today uh, allows teams to designate an emergency quarterback on game day, a rule they revived after the San Francisco 49ers ran out of quarterbacks in the NFC Championship game last season to the Eagles. Now, the rule applies only to quarterbacks who are on the team's 53-man roster. Practice squad players are not eligible to be emergency quarterbacks, not even if they are elevated for that week's game. So what happens with the Saints? You got Derek Carr. You got Jameis Winston. And you've got the Swiss Army knife, right? You got the Swiss Army knife. Uh, But this does allow... It does allow a team to avoid counting the emergency quarterback as one of its active players on game day. That's a modest incentive for teams who otherwise would have chosen to go into a game with only two available quarterbacks. The emergency quarterback would be eligible for in-game activation if the rest of the team's quarterbacks are unable to participate due to injury or ejection, but not as a result of Benchings. In other words, if Derek Carr stinks and Jameis Winston stinks, Taysom Hill, well, you couldn't go in as a quarterback because they stunk. They'd have to be hurt. Plain and simple. So we'll see if that even makes makes a difference um, as as time goes on. All right, ten minutes after the hour, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Blake Rafino still to come, but next up, Ali Cassell. The Boston Celtics are staring down the possibility of being swept out of the Eastern Conference Finals, and Malcolm Brogdon has come out and said team issues are a symptom of season-long issues against consistent opponents. There's a disconnect in their locker room. We'll talk with Ali Cassell about that and more next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And, of course, um, the game always with something to partake of. Because, you know, we give Astros weekend giveaways, Cajun Heartland State Farm stuff. And now we've even got a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free mobile app today from your Apple or Android device. Just search the game, Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back as the NBA playoffs roll on. We got a game four tonight, a game four tomorrow. And usually you would say, well, you know, series doesn't start till uh, team wins on the road. Well, that's exactly what's happened with Denver and Miami as they lead their best of seven series, three games zip Denver over the Lakers, Miami over the Boston Celtics. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights, our uh, Pelicans slash NBA guru, kind enough to join us. I guess the question, Ali, besides thank you for for being here with us, uh, which one surprised you the most, Denver over L.A. or Miami over Boston? It's got to be the Miami-Boston series. Um, I said at the start when we were picking, you know, our favorites for – the East, uh, East and Western Conference Finals, that I still like the Denver Nuggets, right? They seem like the more complete team, yeah. and their depth would be able to match L.A.'s, right? And sure enough, that's proven true. I mean, look at what, for instance, Denver got out of their guys, not named Jamal Murray and Nikola Jogic, in their Game 3 win, right? I mean, you love yeah. what Brown gives them. Um, Caldwell Pope has 17 points, and others, Michael Porter Jr. So, very complete team, but on the other side, no, Jordy. I, I know that, look, I said that I, I didn't feel comfortable picking Boston, but you got to think that the Heat at some point would hit a wall, right? I mean, they, they didn't finish with a positive net rating in the regular season, meaning they weren't a good team. It was a really a disappointing regular season for them, and yet yeah. they've been kind of unstoppable in these playoffs, and they, they're still not letting off that foot off the gas. My goodness, they haven't, and they, they get it from everybody. If I asked you to pick an MVP of the NBA playoffs, is it Nikola Jokic? Is it Jamal Murray? Or is it Jimmy Butler? Great question. And, you know, I don't think I would bemoan anybody picking either one of those two nuggets, but I've got to give it to Jimmy Butler, right? I mean, you can look up and down at roster, and you know there's a lot of feel-good stories, but if you've got to think, if, if Eric Spolster doesn't have Butler, right, leading that snake, that charge, and inspiring everybody in that locker room, there's no way they would be doing this. And I know if you take away Jokic from Denver, they're not the same team. But really, it's just Jimmy Butler over there. And, yeah, Bam, he gives you a lot, right? Bam out of bio. But mm-hmm. he's nowhere near superstar town, unlike Denver's got really two of them, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think I would agree with you. I think because of the team that he is on, and, and this takes nothing away from the other two, but Jimmy Butler, I mean, my good. And the good news is for Miami, Butler only played 31 minutes. Bam only played 26 minutes in their blowout win. So they're going to be rested. They're at home. And it just gives every team, I think, hope and every fan base hope. Maybe we can find a Gabe Vincent or a Max Struess or a Duncan Robinson or a Caleb Martin. These guys, I mean, they weren't drafted. They weren't highly thought of. They get into a system. They get they get good coaching. They get developed, and they're playing lights out. Yeah, and Jordy, the biggest thing I've taken away is they break their opponent's will, right? They yes. did that to Milwaukee. You saw Giannis scared, right, to handle the ball down the stretch because he didn't want to get fouled and go through the free throw line. 
the Knicks, yeah. Julius Randle was a shell. And I know he was maybe a little bit injured, not 100% like Giannis. But look, when you're a star of your team, you always show for the big games, and, and they did. And then now it's happening again. I know I love Tatum and I love Jalen Brown, but boy, these two guys need to show up. And I know Joe Mazzulla is probably not going to be the coach for much longer in Boston, no. but he doesn't deserve all the blame. Those stars deserve the blame. And the reason is Miami, like I said, has just run roughshod through the entire Eastern Conference, and they're really bullying themselves, right, to the, all these victories, you feel like. And so, yeah, Jordy, that to me stands out the most because I agree with you. Spolster, great. Jimmy Butler, superstar level in the playoffs. A lot of great role players, especially those undrafted ones. But, look, deep down, they have this determination, this will that, you know, is kind of a rarity. They can just break good teams' will. That, that, that's a heck of a quality. Yeah, there is something to say about that heat culture, and it comes from Pat Riley mm-hmm. to Eric Spolstra on down. But it's got to be the players on the court and the way that Butler and Adebayo, the leaders of this team, and don't forget – one of their best players hadn't played in the playoffs at all in Tyler Hero, mm-hmm. um, and, and they haven't missed a beat. Exactly, and I hear that his hand's mending. So there might be a chance, right? We see him in the finals, and that'd be fun. But, yeah, this Miami Heat team, it's not a you know one-season fluke. Just look at what they did, right? They went to the finals in the bubble. They've also been to another uh, Eastern Conference finals just a year ago and then made the playoffs in Jimmy Butler's fourth year in Miami. So every single year, in Miami, they've made it to the playoffs minimum with a squad that honestly isn't that impressive on paper. Never has been, but yet they seemingly always overachieve. Something. Ali Cassell at the Bird writes, um, tonight it's a chance for Denver to close out the L.A. Lakers as they lead it three games to zip in theirs. The last game, um, as the series shifted to Los Angeles, uh, Denver comes away with a 119-108 win. Uh, thanks to a 35-26 fourth quarter in clutch time when when they needed it. Um, the Nuggets get it. The Lakers don't. And for the first time, Ali, and he's still putting up good numbers. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from LeBron James. He had 23 uh-huh. points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds in 43 minutes. He's doing all he can, but he looks like father time has caught up to him. Does it look like that to you? It does, because now he has to pick his moments, right? He can only look like LeBron James in spurts. He can't do it the entire time he's on the court. Because in the past, you know, that 23-12-7 line, that would more look more like 40 points, right? Probably a triple-double, mm-hmm. kind of what Jokic has largely been doing in these playoffs. So he is slowing down. That's unfortunate. But look, unlike the Celtics, the Lakers haven't given up in this series. I mean, AD's had some good games. Austin yes. Reeves continues to look amazing. Denver's just a better team, right? I think a lot of people were wrong, including myself. We didn't give enough credit to Denver easily being the best team in the West. Even though, right, finished number one in the regular season, none of us really gave them their due. We should have. Yeah. I mean, Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope, um, Michael Porter Jr. And I mean, uh-huh. they're role players, and they understand what they're supposed to do. Aaron Gordon is kind of the the guy um, that – kind of holds it together a little bit. Then you get the production off the bench in Bruce Brown. Um, and, and they're just a better team. You're, you're right. Anthony Davis, nobody can complain. You know, last game, 28 points, 18 rebounds. But how good – here's another example. How did the Lakers find Austin Reeves? How valuable has that dude been? And how good would he look in a Pelicans uniform with his ball handling, his shot making – 
man. I think you can, you can make an argument he's a top five shooting guard in the league. I don't feel like I've wow. seen him miss a three-pointer in this series against Denver. I'm telling and you. Right. His, yeah, Jordan, his decision-making, his handle, they're fantastic. I mean, just a second-year guy, went undrafted. So hats off to whichever scout discovered him, right, where the Lakers picked him off that uh, undrafted heat. But he's going to be in the league for a long time. I tell you what, he's going to get paid. Right, this summer everybody's talking about how yeah. I think the maximum the Lakers can offer are four years, fifty one million, but another team can offer him more and then the Lakers will be able to match it. There's no way they'll let him go, right? They can't. After right yeah. the debacle several years ago, moving on right. from Caruso and those guys, they can't do it. No, they can't do it. Jared Vanderbilt, uh uh-uh, uh, no. But uh um Hachimura, he's he's emerged, he's gonna be uh-huh. in that starting lineup. Uh but the problem with the Lakers is you get nothing from the point guard position with D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder. You get nothing. Schroeder's a defensive guy, but he's he, he's not going to score. And Russell, Russell can't throw it in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because there were some games in the previous two series where Russell was really good. Right, but yeah. here's what stands out to me, Jordy. Notice the two teams doing well, Miami and Denver, and look at their cores. They've been together for a long time, kind of the center point of breeding a culture don't talk much about denver's culture but but it's there right because mike malone mm-hmm. Jokic started things i think Jokic went three years before he finally made it to the playoffs and murray came on in year two of Jokic. like i said they didn't start winning right away but they they stuck with their core right they, they went ahead and gave jamal murray a contract despite his acl tear michael porter with all his back issues they stuck by everybody there and now i think they're paying off because of that continuity same thing with miami you know I think Pat Riley could have moved on maybe from uh, uh, even the Jimmy Butler if he wanted to, but at least somebody else. But he seems to find the right guys, but he's kept that core there, right? Like I said, Butler's been there for right. you. Now when you look at, say, the Lakers, they've been glued together this year, right? Remember Westbrook started there. And with the Celtics, I just don't think they have the heart, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest here. How can they, you come up with so many duds and yet other moments play really well? So I just like the way Denver and Miami have constructed really one through 15, and they've stuck with their core guys. And I think now you're seeing why it matters, continuity, all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the Bells have a really good roster. I mean, Larry mm-hmm. Nance Jr. reminds me of Aaron Gordon somehow. So maybe just yeah. a guy that you know plays D, rebounds, and if you give him a shot, he'll take it, but he's not looking for it. Um, what is it? I mean, you know, CJ McCollum, got to get him healthy, got to get him back to where he was. What is this team? What is this team lacking that these other teams have? Because these other teams, you look at Denver, boy, they're a good defensive club. Miami's a really good defensive club. And, but but it's their basketball IQ, they don't make silly mistakes. They don't turn the ball over. And they're very, um, very efficient. And boy, you see the ball moving left and right, inside, outside, and they, they mm-hmm. share the basketball so well. You see with Denver too. I think they had five turnovers in that last game against the Lakers. Yes. And with the Pelicans, yes. that's not true. And look, I hate to bring up that 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 talking point, but not having Zion play hardly at all in his career, let alone with Brandon and CJ, that hurts. I don't care what you do. That that simply hurts. They don't even give themselves a chance to build any continuity. At least see, are you more like Boston or are you more like Miami and Denver? Because Boston, I'll tell you what, that game one for them set the tone against the Heat. Because, Jordy, I remember what, I think Tatum and Brown both had 12 turnovers combined. 
And these guys just seem to fail more times than not in big moments. You can't do that. You've yeah. got to come through just like the Jimmy Butlers of the world. So I'm not sure what the Pelicans have, but we're never going to know until these guys can stay healthy. But to answer your question, then, if you're looking past that, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's too much more they need. Maybe just some more shooting, right? Because you've got guys yes. that can get you to 20 points. you got some rebounders. If you don't think it's Valanciunas, then you got to get the center. But it's things we've talked about all year. Need more shooting. Need to have Willie Green have a center that he can rely on, a starter, not just Larry Nance. And then having the guys out there on the court. I really believe that. I'm with you, uh, which means this upcoming draft is significant. Uh, you look at the players that are out there. The Pell's at number 14 in draft order. They, uh, maybe, maybe they package something together and move up in the draft. I don't know. But um, do you see in your scouting a player that um, that might fit the bill? Because, you know, Dyson Daniels, I think it's still um, an unknown piece of work. Uh, it's, it's still a, a, a painting that has yet to be finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw some some glimpses here and there, but again, really inconsistent. Got to work on his outside shooting. You can't have guys on the court, Ali. I believe that if you can't shoot, you're a liability. You got to have scoring in this league because I don't care how good your defense is; these players are too good. You can't stop them. So, who's out there, and what kind of player do you think the Pels need at 14? Yeah, we saw that with Herb right when he wasn't shooting the ball well for months. He was almost unplayable, but he finished a year strong. Yeah. I think Dyson will get there, right? He, he, what was he, 19? I mean, he, he was a teenager for, for crying out loud. So I think right. the Pelicans will hang on. But to answer your question, I don't think the Pelicans even are thinking about moving up in the draft because it would come at a premium cost. And then, of course, everybody at the top of the draft, they need development time. right? The Spurs are not going to trade Wembenyama, no doubt. But everybody right. below him, they're all going to need years and years of probably development time, even the Scoot Henderson. So – to trade up and then have to go through that makes no sense when you want to win now. So, no, the Pels will maybe either keep that pick or trade off of it or maybe even move down. But there's just a few guys like Grady Dick. I like him, best shooter, but he's only had one year at Kansas, right? So his development yeah. isn't done. Yeah. He's also considered to probably go up maybe closer to 10 to 12. Derek Lively, love him. Pelicans need to find a center of the future. He could be that guy, right? Seven foot one, can reach about seven seven showed defensively that he can be that guy at the next level. I'm not sure about the offense yet, but again, you're probably asking for two years of development time. And I know, by the way, the Pelicans did talk to him at the recent combine up in Chicago, so they have their eyes on him. But more than likely, I think they'll either move off the pick or trade down. Because as we've talked about in the show, right, you've got Nance, you've got McCollum, maybe Valanciunas as your vets, but you need more. Adding another youngster, right, to this young core doesn't make any sense when you want to win now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you look for free agency and you try to put something together or. um... Yeah, Yeah, George, not so much free agency because they're going to be close to the salary cap line, the tax line. Right. So let's say they want to open up as much space as possible. Like for instance, Billy Hernan Gomez team option. One more year left, 2.6 million. I can see them wave that you can move or remove Garrett Temple because his contract's unguaranteed. So you open up another five-some million. But the most, I think, by going that type of route is opening up maybe about $12 million. That's really not enough, right, to you know attract right. some really good name, like, say, maybe a Brooke right. Lopez, maybe a Nas Reed, right? So I'm thinking more yeah. along the lines that you're going to package up this pick, maybe a youngster or two, and then maybe a salary like Valanciunas and then trade for somebody. I think that's easily their best avenue to improve yeah. this team. 
I'm with you 100%. Joe Mazzullo's out. Um, I mean, he's going to be out after this. Yeah. Uh, with the, and what he's saying to the media, it's like, oh, my God, you don't say <laughs> those kind of things. Uh, that there's a disconnect? No, I've never I've never heard of such a thing. Um, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches out there that have been fired, uh, and Boston's one of those things. Boy, that's going to be an interesting decision. It'd be their third coach in like less than three years mm-hmm. uh, with Boston, but that's that's going to happen, Ollie. It's going to happen. Yeah, and you know what, Jordy? I think Brad Stevens deserves a lot of blame. Right? He's the one that picked yeah. Missoula. He was their coach, so he knows this course. So he should have known what's going to probably get these guys to play. Yeah. You know, every game, bring in every game, and he hasn't. Didn't replace Ime Udoka well, right? Uh, was it Hardy left for Utah? And to get the guy yeah. that was considered fourth on the Udoka staff and make him your head coach when he's just 35, barely an experience on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I think Brad Stevens needs to go just as quickly as Missoula. Okay. All right, and the big question is who the Pell's going to pick at 14 if they do, and who's going to be the head coach sitting next to Willie Green next year. Time will tell. We'll see. Ali Cassell, do the Nuggets end it against the Lakers tonight? I think so. I think that the Lakers, LeBron James, they see the writing on the wall, right? And AD, I think he's due for a bad game. He's already had that good game, bad game, good game. We're due for another bad one. And I don't see how Boston beats Miami in Miami. No. I just don't. No, we're definitely our finals are set, right? Look, I think yep. what is it, Jordy? Teams that are down zero and three are uh, zero for one forty nine, something like that, in advancing to the next yeah. round, right? Not going to happen. Series. No, it's not. Gonna, I just wonder happened. if they're going to win a game. Right. I just wonder if either. You know, I just wonder if the Lakers or the Celtics are going to win one game in this thing. I, I don't see it Maybe happening. The Lakers, right? But not not the Celtics. They look defeated. They gave up in that game. Yep, I'm with you. Ali Cassell never gives up, and we're thankful. We're always pleased to have him. You're the best. You're the best. I greatly appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, Jordy. You do the same, buddy. All right. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. Up next, Lake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Beth Torina, be careful. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back. Always a pleasure to welcome in Blake Rafino from the RU Serious Podcast with his take on things in Hygertown. Good afternoon, Blake, buddy. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good, somewhat relaxing, just uh, ready for the longer weekend uh, next week. 
Yeah, I've got Memorial Day coming up. That's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's just let's let's get right to it. You know who the athletic director is at LSU. You know that he's not afraid to um to make changes with what you saw happen to LSU softball. And you you've touched on this earlier with the SEC tournament and some other things and some on your podcasts and your responses and Twitter. Um Beth Tarina, shaky grounds, um, to say the least? Uh, easily shaky grounds, in my opinion, Jordy. Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and call for her to be fired. Um, right. But then ice. And because when I look at it, this is just for people who don't or don't follow women's softball as closely – Jordy, they had three top 25 opponents that they played this year in conference. They played Tennessee, who was number five at the time, 16, number 16 Alabama, and number 21 Auburn. They lost all of it. They got swept by Tennessee. They lost two or three to Alabama. They lost two out of three to Auburn. They get, got beat by the number 11 seed, Ole Miss, and they lost two yesterday to ULL. Yeah. By the way, this is supposed to be a really good team. Beth is... 149 or 150 and 118 in conference. And so goes to beg the question, Jordy, if this were anybody else, if this were anybody else at LSU, with the resources they have been given, what would be your take? Right? Like, what would you say? Oh, I – So <laughs> my <laughs> – I, I'm just throwing it out there now. I'm not. I'm not calling for her to be fired. George, she's almost won 500 games. She went to four straight College World Series. They are underperforming. In the last eight years, you can make the argument that she's underperformed. And you look at the record and her having 40 wins. That's great. It's great. It's fantastic. However, if you're going to get on Jay Johnson about the non-conference and saying it's weak, well. So is Beth Perinas. So yeah, the just difference, throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. The difference, Jake Johnson is in his second season. Beth Tarina has finished her 12th season. Yes, yeah, she made four trips to the College World Series, 2012, and then had a run of three straight years, 15, 16, and 17. Since then? Right. Mm, yeah. And, and look, um, Athletic directors like to have people in their fold that they brought in. And we've seen it. We've seen it on every level, football, basketball, um, baseball. We've seen it in tennis. We've seen it in golf. We've seen it uh, in a lot of places. Um, I, thin ice, I think, is, is um, very, very appropriate. And I think the ice is melting, big guy. I really do. You need four inches of ice to be able to skate on it. She's on a she's on a quarter of an inch. Ooh, she yeah, she's uh, so we'll see. That's a that's a story to kind of I mean, keep your it's eye not, on. It's not it's not even to, to to just cap this off. It's not even the part that she's losing. Not even that, Jordan. She's getting that recruited heavily. Yeah, Florida, Alabama, Auburn. Tennessee, or and obviously, with I'm just going to throw them in there. Oklahoma, because they're Georgia, they're they're in the league, right? Like they're coming into the league. Mm -hmm. um, bottom line is, 
she's getting dominated in recruiting. So yeah. you can't you can't have someone in your backyard and go to another SEC school who's hitting 400 with 15 home runs and think that that's remotely okay. No, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I would not be surprised, and I'm not calling for anything either. I'm just um, I'm just surveying the field, knowing who the players are and how they react to no things. I, I would not be surprised at at all. Uh, Blake Rafino, Are You Serious podcast. Matt Hayes is a guy that I um, am friends with that I value as a journalist, and he came up with the uh, the rankings for the SEC football coaches heading into next week's sec spring meetings in destiny he's got the championship level and of course you're gonna have kirby smart you're gonna have nick saban he's also got brian kelly and i'm gonna i'm just gonna read one paragraph uh in this thing he said kelly will win a national title at lsu within his first three seasons and maybe even this year he's young 61 in great shape and loves to recruit, he's going to be a load to deal with for a long time. Says a lot about Brian Kelly at yeah, LSU. And, and look, Matt Hayes is not biased at all. Literally. No. The most unbiased journalist that you will find. Uh, look, I, so I, I don't disagree with him in reference to that. There are some questions that got to be answered, right? Okay. But the thing with LSU that helps them, in my personal opinion, is two things, Jordy. Number one, you're expanding the playoffs, so even if you do fall to a Georgia in the SEC title game, the likelihood of you getting the playoff is very high, right? Yes, yes. Number two, number two, the ultimate question that everybody asks every year is Alabama falling. Now, I don't think Alabama's falling from a depth perspective, meaning talent on the outside, in the interior. Are, you, are we going to make the argument right now that Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer are even closely or remotely better than what Alabama has at quarterback? Because they are. Yeah. So, you just, it begs the question, if he can do it with – if he can win the West with Bryce Young at Alabama – what makes me believe that he can't do it with a better roster when his coaching staff intact with more experienced players and quarterbacks? That is the ultimate question. Now, I will, here's two things that I think about, Jordan. Now, they can lose one of these games. You've got to go to Tuscaloosa. I know LSU plays historically better there, but it's always tough to beat Alabama in their home, in their home, with their no home crowd. No question. However... I think that we're not talking enough about Florida State, to be honest well, with that's you. The most, yeah, um, that's the most important game, no doubt. So, to me, when I put on the All-22 copy, because we, you know, we, it's just something that we do a lot in the offseason, it's very difficult for me to look at what Florida State has right now offensively and along their defensive line. Jordy, they could easily be the best team in the country. No question. I, they got a heck of a quarterback, too. And, and that's the point. Yep. You're, it's going to be hard for you to find a better core than Benson at running back, than Coleman and uh, Wilson at wide receiver. Oh, and by the way, they got Jaheim Bell at tight end. 
De- the, their defensive line on paper right now with Lovett, with Fisk, and with Jared Burse, I can make the argument right now that they're easily the best defensive line in the country. Now, you return a really good offensive line, and, it's go- and if you can hold up there, okay, and limit their defensive line, you're going to win. But it just comes to a point where, Jordy, I look at Florida State and Mike Norvell, and I just ask myself the question, like, man, where are they weakest? And the only place that I come up with is maybe interior offensive line and safety, but at the same token, you want to hear something crazy? So are you. Yeah. You LSU and Florida State are one of some of the most identical teams that I've ever seen. You have the same weaknesses. You have the same uh, – I just want to even say the same experience coming in. Florida State is number five in the country in experience returning or production returning. LSU is number six. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'm with you. Blake Rafino, the RU Serious Podcast. Um, you know, I think the Florida State game, I hope that LSU can get in the ear of Brian Kelly and these players and 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 think of it like back in the day when LSU was going to face Oregon in their season opener in Jerry's world um, and how important that game was to that team and to that season. And maybe it wasn't week one, but it was week two, you know, when LSU played Texas in Austin with Joe Burrow in 2019. Yeah, they had Georgia Southern week one. Who cares? Week two, they went up there, beat them 45-38. That set the tone for the rest of the year. Um, And, man, I'm looking at that season, right? 55 in the opener, 45 against Texas, 65, 66, 42, 42. I mean – Closest game they had was Auburn, right? 23 to 20. But they need to treat this game against Florida State like this is like a national championship game. No, no question. And, you know, in, in hindsight, and I know that it's always 2020. Boy, I'm glad that we lost it last year in a way, you know, because if you don't lose the game last year, you start overlooking people, right? And then, they're just not a team that you can overlook. But you know what's even crazier? I talk to my good buddy Brandon Taylor about this all the time. That 11 team, Jordy, I, people forget that they went up to West Virginia and played the Air Raid and uh, Geno oh, yeah. Smith, right? Like, yeah. And so playing good teams and you beating them, especially on the road, does set a tone for the entire season. So as crazy as this is going to sound, and I know that Alabama has Nick Saban. I'm more worried about, from an LSU perspective, Florida State than I am Alabama at the current moment. I'm with you. I'm with you. Where they play, when they play, and all that stuff, it, it really does yep. matter. Blake, we're, we're out of yep. time, man. Uh, keep doing what you do, man. You do you, boo. And keep that Are You Serious <laughs> podcast rolling, man. All right? You too, man. We'll talk. Oh, I don't know if we'll Thank talk you, next buddy. Monday, but I, I'm available. You got it. Uh, uh, no, we're off uh, next Monday, so take a day off, big guy. Not going to call you, uh, but thank you anyway. <laughs> all right. All right, man. Take care. We'll come back. We'll wrap it all up next here uh, after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
And our great sponsors, Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce by the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction by Ducks. Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out and by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. Man, if you can't ShopRite at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, fun show. Thanks to our guest, Glenn West, talking LSU baseball. Uh, Ali Cassell, talking NBA playoffs. Blake Rafino, LSU softball. Congrats to the UL Raging Cajun softball team for making it to the Super Regional. Good for them. Um, that's awesome. If today is your birthday, May 22nd, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your birthday with he only holds 22 Grand Slam single titles. Happy 36th birthday to Novak Djokovic. Yes, indeed. Um, tomorrow, Bob Rose, Black and Gold Report with the Nuggets and the Lakers tonight. I think they will. Uh, we'll see. They got to play 48 minutes to get it done. Um, James Mesh, thank you, sir, for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do, radio, internet, television. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. We really couldn't do it without you. So come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great station, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until next time. I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friend. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is up next. Talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody.